Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you asked me what happened the day before I met Anya, I wouldn't be able to come up with an answer. The truth is, I don't even think I knew Anya before then. All I remember is that I was taking photos of the Milky Way one minute and waking up next to her in a villa in the middle of nowhere the next. Hi, I'm Dane, and I got abducted and woke up next to the perfect girlfriend. So, I was out in the desert, taking photos of the night sky, when I felt something hit me on the side of my head. I passed out immediately. When I woke up, bright white lights greeted me. When I looked around, I saw that I was in an immaculately white room filled with blinding fluorescent lights. And then, I noticed her. Anya was sleeping so peacefully beside me. Her face was so beautiful. And so was everything about her. It was as if she'd leapt out of a magazine cover. She stirred in her sleep, and her eyes fluttered open as gracefully as a butterfly's wings. And when she looked at me with a smile on her face, I knew I just had to ask her out. Unfortunately, there were more pressing matters at the time. Who... who are you? I asked her. She smiled a sweet smile as she looked up at me, wiping the sleep from her eyes. Then she giggled. Anya, your girlfriend, silly, she said. Oh, nice to meet you, Aunt... Girlfriend? I exclaimed. What insane situation did the universe drop on my lap now? I know I said I wanted to ask her out, but to suddenly wake up being some stranger's girlfriend? A steaming hot stranger, yeah, but a stranger nonetheless. What if she was a psycho? It must be a prank. Right? This is a dream. Right? I slapped myself three times in an attempt to wake myself up, but all it resulted in was a stinging cheek and Anya's continued giggling. What are you doing? She asked. Oh, <laughs> nothing. I, uh, I was just... It's unbelievable. Just trying to see if I'm in a dream right now, I replied. Anya let out a tinkling laugh, and then she cooed. Aww, that's so sweet. This isn't a dream, baby. I'm your girlfriend. And we'll be together forever. Why did I feel like that was more a prison sentence than a dream come true? It seemed like Anya was pretty convinced she was my girlfriend. And so, 
I began to believe it too. What if she really was telling the truth? Maybe the hit on the head I received gave me some sort of weird amnesia, where I only forgot about one specific thing. Because I could definitely still remember the rest of my life. The only thing that didn't fit in with my memories was the notion that I had a girlfriend. As far as I could remember, I'd been single for at least three years. That day, Anya and I spent the whole day indoors. It seemed like there was a lot to explore in the house, and I busied myself with getting to know the villa that was supposed to be ours. I have to confess, I've never seen that house in my life. But Anya spoke and acted as if we'd lived there for quite a while. I had to keep up with the information that I had lived there with Anya for the past three years. So, I made a conscious effort to get to know the place inside and out. The villa was actually pretty sweet. If I had to guess, it would have cost a pretty penny. The first floor was called wall to wall in the most amazing glass windows. They stretched from floor to ceiling and opened up to some pretty breathtaking scenery. In the middle of the house, there was a cherry tree growing. There was a movie room, a gaming room, and an indoor pool. I was mostly excited for the gaming room. But the sad thing was, there was not one device in the house with working internet. Even my phone had no signal. It made sense because we were essentially in the middle of nowhere. When I looked out, all I could see was a lush, sprawling garden surrounded by desert. In the distance, the horizon was dominated by snow-capped mountains, and for miles and miles there seemed to be no evidence of any towns nearby. Anya was sweet. She was basically the perfect girlfriend. She was always kind and patient. She was funny. She was beautiful. She cooked really well. And she always did her best to make me feel comfortable whenever the situation I found myself in made me feel uneasy. I tried my best to hide the fact that I still had no idea who she was, though. The best thing about Anya was that she loved gaming with me. We would spend hours upon hours just cooped up in the game room. Player one and player two. Breezing through games we both enjoyed. Sometimes she would just suddenly leave the room. And when she came back, she'd appear with homemade snacks in tow. And when she kissed me, it felt electric. It felt like I'd known her forever. But somehow, something still didn't sit right with me. It all felt paper thin. Everything did. It felt fake. Manufactured. I felt like despite the amount of fun I was having living with Anya in that villa, it all still felt wrong, and I knew I had to find answers. Sometimes, I would excuse myself and just wander around the house. I would look for clues, hidden cameras, anything. Anything that made sense. Anything that fit into the reality that I knew from before I woke up in that villa. But I never found anything. It was at the end of the first week that I decided it was probably not some sort of prank show. I doubt any prank would last more than a few hours. I guess I just wanted to believe so badly that it was some contrived scenario. So I held on to that possibility. Don't get me wrong. Things were peachy. Anya was amazing. The house was incredible. Everything was perfect. But too perfect, maybe. If that sort of thing even existed. Things just didn't sit right. Like somehow in the back of my head, a tiny voice was screaming, Run! One day, as Anya and I were having dinner together, 
I asked her to pass the salad. She smiled and said, Of course, baby. And as she reached for the salad bowl and handed it to me, a tear slid down her cheeks. I froze and said, Are you alright, babe? Me? I'm wonderful, baby. Why'd you ask? She said, It's just... Uh, there's a... You're crying, I replied. Anya's perfect face showed surprise. And then, she searched her cheeks for the tear. When she found it, she turned a bright shade of pink and said, embarrassed, Oh! Oh, my! This, I, I'm sorry. I'm sure it's nothing. My eyes are probably just tired. I, I'm fine. Honestly, I, I promise. More tears began to flow, and I wiped it for her. She then suddenly stood and excused herself from the table. She rushed into our room and shut the door. Something was wrong. Something was definitely wrong, and what I did next was something I am still extremely ashamed of. I was a coward. But you have to understand, I didn't know if Anya was who she said she was. And I was afraid she was something more sinister than she made herself out to be. I ran. I ran out of the villa through the garden and into the endless darkness of the desert. All I had as light were the stars. The moon was absent that night. I kicked myself for never learning how to navigate using the night sky. I didn't care what direction I was going. I just knew I had to put as much distance between myself and that house. If I were to die in that desert, I decided it was a better fate than whatever truly waited for me in that villa. As I ran... All the memories I had from that moment I met Anya rushed back to me. Small things that I ignored or did not think about before crept up to the surface. The vacant look in Anya's eyes, the noises I heard in the dead of the night, the voices I heard even when I slept, the fact that I would wake up with things not being where we left them. At first, I thought I was imagining these things. I thought I was just being paranoid. But that night... Everything just clicked. All the things I was afraid of finally made sense. I didn't know what I'd found myself in. But it was definitely messed up. And I had nothing to do with it. I just wanted to get back to my real life. And that night, I listened to the tiny voice in my head that told me to bolt. I ran up a dune. I must have been running for at least five minutes. But when I crested that dune, relief washed over me. In the distance, I saw a cluster of lights. Ah, uh, house! I exclaimed to the empty desert. But no sooner had I taken another step that I fell over and lost consciousness. When I woke up again, it was because I felt someone stroking my hair. I blinked twice, and then covered my eyes with my hands for the blinding light that greeted me. When my eyes finally adjusted to the sterile fluorescent lights, I saw Anya's face. She was playing with my hair and smiling down at me. If she didn't look the way she did, I would have found it creepy how close her face was to mine and how wide her eyes were. I specifically remember having run away, I thought, but I had to grit my teeth and just accept that I was unsuccessful. Was she the one keeping me here? Was someone else? Are we being watched? I smiled as sincerely as I could manage, and then I kissed her. Good morning, babe. We had breakfast together and all I could think of was that I had to get away. We worked on the garden together, and all I could think of was that I had to escape. 
I then made Anya a pitcher of the iced tea that she loved so that we could sit on our porch and watch the tumbleweeds roll by. And all I could think of was how I could save myself from that nightmarish situation. Things were getting worse. Every time Anya smiled at me, I would only notice the blank expression in her eyes. It looked as if she'd died inside. And her tears would come more often. Sometimes, I would catch her full-on weeping while she smiled at me, her eyes wide. But what really creeps me out beyond anything else that happened that night, I decided to save Hanya. We were playing a co-op game in the game room that night, and my mind was so preoccupied with thoughts of how I could get myself out of there, I didn't even notice her stand up. She was moving in weird, jerky motions, and then suddenly, she turned to me and let out the most anguished, horrifying scream I'd ever heard. Help! Help! Help me! I'm still in here. Please, Dane. Please. Please help me. Get us out of here. Dane. Please. And as if none of the last few seconds ever happened, Anya brushed her dress straight and went back to playing the game. Ever feel like someone's always watching you? You know the feeling, but when you turn around, nobody's there? Well, I get that feeling all the time. I don't even know when it started. All I know is that I've been starting to notice them when I began working for Elaine. I met her during a job fair. Our high school had a booth, and we were there so that us kids could learn what kinds of careers we could go into in the future. I was a computer whiz, and so I knew I wanted to be in an exciting startup or multi-billion dollar firm in Silicon Valley. I didn't even bother looking at the brochure Elaine gave me when I heard her company was offering a position as a back-end developer for a private investigator agency. I was voted most likely to take over Google, and I guess that went to my head a little. But months later, when I failed to secure a position at all the major companies in Silicon Valley, I was brought low. I guess you could say I was humbled. I didn't know the screening process and the requirements would be that stringent, and I didn't want to disappoint my family and my school, so I was seriously considering going to college even though I didn't want to. But then I realized how much money it would cost, and my parents weren't well off at all. I didn't want to work my whole life paying for student loans either. So after weighing my options, I instead applied for a tiny startup at some guy's basement. Their letter arrived the same day that I got a weird envelope from Elaine's private investigator firm. Once again, she offered me a job. She said she had been following my career as an amateur hacker. She must have googled that I had participated in some hackathons in the state. Uh, I ignored her letter again, and I was about to actually sign my new contract with that startup when I took a glance at Elaine's letter and saw something I didn't even notice. At the very bottom of the letter, she wrote a number. I thought it was a phone number at first, so I didn't even see it. But the reason why it looked like a phone number was because of the amount of zeros. She was offering to pay me five times more than I would make at that startup. My hands began to tremble. I had to dial her number three times because I couldn't stop shaking from nervousness. Uh, hello? Henry, I've been waiting for your call. I'm glad you reached out. Uh, hi, Miss Elaine. I, I think there was an error in the letter you sent me. There seems to be too many zeros on this figure. Elaine laughed, and I only then noticed that she had such a beautiful voice. Oh, no, dear. That's what you'll be making if you work for us. There was no error. I couldn't believe my ears. I had to double check. No, triple check. Uh, are you sure? A and and it it'll be in my contract, right? <laughs> of course, sweetheart. Your contract's already drafted and waiting for you to sign it. 
I felt like I was floating. I felt like I won the lottery. Uh, when can I start? Come in at nine in the morning tomorrow. We wear ties here, so look sharp. You don't have to bring anything. The company will provide you with whatever you need. Laptops, servers, and however many monitors you want. I, I, I look forward to seeing you, Miss Elaine. Uh, th thank you so much for this, this this opportunity. Just call me Elaine. I'm only a few years older than you, after all. I didn't get to sleep that night. I tried, but I was buzzing with excitement. It felt like electricity was rushing through my body. When the clock hit seven, I got up, made myself breakfast, and got ready. I brushed my teeth twice, just to make sure, and I made my way to my new office. It was lucky that I decided to leave an hour earlier, because I had no idea where it was. The place was so tucked away in the middle of Chinatown that you wouldn't have guessed that such a fancy place was in there. The door was this tiny gate that didn't even have a sign. I only found out because I saw someone go in with a package that had the same logo as Elaine's letterhead. The gate led to a narrow alley, which led to a staircase, and when I went up, I realized that the agency was on top of the Chinese restaurant that I stood in front of for a good ten minutes. I guess for a private investigator agency, it really fit the bill. Only, you'd have to be an investigator as well if you wanted to find their offices. Elaine introduced me to my new colleagues. It was a small team. There were maybe four investigators, two clerks, an accountant, and me, the tech guy. But for some strange reason, there were always men and women. Some of them dressed in suits, the other wearing anything from mailman uniforms to gardener's outfits. They would all go through that one strange door at the end of the hall. But then I'd never see them come out. Miss Elaine, what's that door? Oh, that? It's not important. It's some other company. And that was the end of that. I sensed that Elaine wasn't going to tell me more, so I didn't press. The company gave me everything I wanted. When I wanted a new server room installed, they tore down an entire office for me and put in the best equipment and climate control that money could buy. Elaine bought me three laptops, all sporting the absolute latest GPUs that weren't even on the market yet. I coded software for the investigators to use. I developed apps for surveillance and communications. I programmed the software for their bugging and camera technologies that they used in the field. I was even able to create a program that made it easier for them to track a person's whereabouts without installing a tracker. With my work, Elaine's company was able to easily identify and find missing persons and other people who were on the run. I'm sure I'll get in trouble for saying this, but when we badly needed to find someone, I would hack into the street cameras in the city's CCTV network, and then I would use my very own facial recognition software to quickly rifle through millions of frames to find them. For the nastier persons of interest, I would fish them. Sometimes it'd be an official-looking announcement or someone trying to tell them they'd want something. We got the bad guys every single time. My desk was massive, and I had six monitors. I felt like the real deal. But that was when the strange occurrences began. One time, when I was standing by the water cooler waiting for my turn, the hairs on the back of my neck picked up. I quickly looked behind me and saw that the camera CCTV was staring right at me. I stared into it, confused. I swear that thing's looking at me. Uh, sorry, what? I looked back at the camera, only to find it facing the other direction. I shook my head in confusion. N nothing. I was just imagining things. 
It didn't stop there, though. There were times when I'd be the only one left in the office, and I'd get that feeling again. The one where you feel someone's looking at you. But when I looked outside the windows, when I checked every room in the office, there was nobody else. One evening, I had to run out of there, because all the cameras in the room began pointing towards me. It was so creepy. But even at home, I didn't feel safe. I would lay awake at night just listening to the noises because I felt like someone was following me. One time, I swear I heard a camera click, but when I looked outside my window, there was nothing. Just an owl sitting on a tree. Some days, I would wear dark sunglasses, wear hats, and the most boring of jackets just to blend into the crowd and avoid someone following me or recognizing me. Once, I could have sworn I caught someone with a camera following me, and that was when I began having my theories. I'd always wondered why I felt so special. Why my life was like a movie. Like it was all fake. And then I realized it is. My life is probably a movie. And that was why there were cameras following me. Another theory I had was that the government was watching me. It kept me up at night. They probably know that I was hacking into their systems for our company. And I was so scared that they'd one day jump out of the bushes and arrest me. My last theory was a bit more far-fetched, but if it wasn't either of the first two, I thought it would be that. I theorized that I was living in a simulation. It was probably why things felt too easy, and maybe that door at the back of the office was a glitch. People kept going in, but they never came out. And then there was Elaine's office. I knew that glass panel was a two-way mirror. I could tell. So one random day, I decided to find out for myself. What was in her office? Was it just a normal office? Was it a producer's room for my life's movie? Were the government agents hiding there? Or was it just a bunch of wires supporting our simulation life? All I knew is that that secretive room had all the answers. So I got up from my desk and opened the door. My colleagues all stood up at the same time and tried to stop me. But it was too late. In that room was Elaine. There were hundreds of monitors. The largest of them showed my empty desk. There were at least 20 of them showing various areas of my house. One of them was walking through a crowded street. Another was just outside the Chinese restaurant. I, I knew it. They were producing the movie of my life. I was so ready to blurt it out when Elaine panicked and confessed to everything. I... I'm so sorry. I brought you here because I have a huge crush on you. I, I wanted to know your every move, but I couldn't bring up the courage to tell you. I've been watching you since we met on that hackathon five years ago. I'm calling the cops. Please, please don't. It's all my fault, but please, I'll lose my job. Finally, I had something to bargain with. I'd wanted to know what that door at the end of the hall was, and Elaine finally confessed. Our agency was fake. The door at the end of the hall was the entrance to a secret government facility. They enter at the door and come out of a tunnel two blocks away. And all this time, I had been working as a spy. No wonder I was earning so much. Elaine was my handler, and after that day, she finally took me through that door. And I became a real spy. Now, Elaine and I work on international cases. I still catch her watching me sometimes, but it doesn't bother me anymore. Especially now that she's my girlfriend. I'm David. I've always worked hard. As a kid, I did paper routes, opened lemonade stands, and mowed our neighbor's lawns to help my parents with money. I was 12 when I lost them. That was when I had to move in with my granny. She was the only family I had left and she had an even harder time making sure we didn't starve. She was old and was long retired. 
so sometimes we would go days without water or electricity because we couldn't afford to pay the bills. Meals on Wheels was awesome because they would bring Granny a couple meals every day. Unfortunately, I wasn't entitled to one, but Granny would always split the meal between us. It always made me cry how she would give me most of it. I promised her I would work hard so we would never have to be hungry ever again. And that's what I just did. I worked three jobs as soon as I was in high school. I was doing a shift at the ice cream shop when I got the call that Granny was rushed to the hospital. And I never saw her again. She left me the house in her will. I guess living a life where money could have made a huge difference taught me to be generous and to work harder than anyone else. And that's why I promised myself when I had my own family, I would work to give them everything they needed. I was generous to my friends, and I was very generous to my girlfriend. Her name's Sally, and we met at the pizzeria I used to work at. I was closing up, and she slipped in just a few seconds before I closed the door. I never liked when people do that. But Sally... <laughs> Sally was pretty and funny and very persuasive. So I made her a pepperoni like she asked, and from that moment on, she was my girl. I loved being with her. The only thing that got in the way was my best friend, Ruby. Sally didn't like her at all. Pretty sure she's jealous of how close we are. Where have you been, babe? I've been calling you for hours. I was at Ruby's. I told you I'd be at Ruby's. Then why won't you text me? Because my phone died because you kept calling me every hour. I swear, one of these days, I will find out what you guys do at Ruby's house. The same thing we do and have done every week, even before I met you. The boys and I like to hang there to play D&D. &D. Remember, I invited you to one and you said it was gross and dorky and you never want to go again. Whatever. I don't like how she looks at you. I keep telling her she has nothing to worry about. But every time Ruby and Sally's paths crossed, I swear, Sally would look like she's about to throw down. I mean, I get why she was insecure. Ruby was very, very pretty. Way prettier and way funnier and way more interesting than Sally. But the thing was, we were really just best friends. She was one of the boys, and she was like a little sister to me. Not like I don't show Sally enough how much I loved her. I gave her six out of seven days in the week. I drove to her whenever she needed me. I picked her up and dropped her off to work. And whatever she wanted to get, I would buy for her. That was mainly why Ruby didn't like Sally. You realize she's taking advantage of you, right? What do you mean? She's treating you like an ATM, an Uber driver, and a servant. All rolled up in one convenient package. She doesn't love you. She's using you. It's not like that. Oh, yeah? Has she ever bought you anything? Even something as small as a coffee? No. But, no buts. She's using you and you need to wake up. I didn't want to believe her. But I did get curious. But the moment I brought up the subject with Sally, she blew up on me. She slapped me and ran out of the house and didn't speak to me for a week. When she did talk to me again, it was only because I had bought her the ring she'd been wanting me to buy for her for months. So, I guess I kind of saw Ruby's point. After that fight, Sally became even more forceful with the things she wanted me to spend my money on. 
If I didn't bring her a gift on every date, she would sulk. And when we passed by a car lot, she went absolutely bonkers when she saw a pristine white G-Wagon there. Please? Please, can we get it? We can sell your old car and share this one, please? I promise I'll be a good girl. I'll even drive you for a change. Wow. She was offering to do something for me? She must really want that car. Nevertheless, I couldn't afford it yet, so I told her I would think about it. Sally threw a tantrum. She didn't talk to me for two weeks. She blocked me everywhere. But then she'd unblock me again, and she would send me texts saying it was because of Ruby. You're leaving me for her, aren't you? You haven't even given me flowers in ages. Why aren't you texting me back? Buy me the car or I'm leaving you. She would send me these texts in the middle of the night. So of course I wouldn't be able to reply. Nevertheless, Sally still insisted that I was ignoring her on purpose. She came back to me because her car got impounded and she had no ride to and from work. That's kind of when I finally realized that my girlfriend was just using me for the things I could give her. So I promised myself one thing. I would become the man who could afford everything she ever wanted in life. I worked long nights and weekends. I took more workload than I ever had. I went to networking events and learned more about the business. I got promoted. And six months later, I got promoted again. I got named Employee of the Year. And Sally was right there with me, flaunting her newest dress and the shiny jewelry she bought with my money. But that night, I didn't go home to celebrate with her. I went to Ruby's, where all my real friends were. Where the people who didn't just see me as a bank account were. That was when I finally broke down in front of Ruby. You were right. She... Sally's just using me. I don't want to say I told you so, but... I found her phone. While I was doing the laundry, she left it open on the bathroom sink. Wait, uh, where's this going? She has another boyfriend, Ruby, and she's been using my money to take him on dates. I cried on Ruby's shoulder that night, and surprisingly for both of us, we ended up kissing. I had trouble sleeping. I couldn't stop thinking about that night. When I kissed Ruby, and she kissed me back, I thought I could never, ever find her attractive. And yet, there I was, spending time with Sally and only being able to think about Ruby. It didn't help that Sally was still insisting that I buy her the G-Wagon. Otherwise, she was going to leave me. I honestly wanted to work it out with her. I didn't want to be unfaithful, but Sally didn't do herself any favors. I told myself if I got the promotion I was hoping to get, that was going to set my plan into motion. That weekend, I got named VP of Sales, and the new position came with a hefty bonus. Suddenly, I could buy the G-Wagon, and then some. So Sally badgered me for it day and night, until one day, I finally said yes. I told her to meet me at a restaurant that was outside of town. It was a really fancy one, and I knew she would do anything to eat there. I didn't drive her, so she took an Uber. It must have cost her a hundred bucks at least, because the place was really far into the countryside. Sally bought a new dress. She was wearing new earrings. She was dressed to the nines. 
She even had her hair and nails done. I was certain she used my card to buy all those. I checked, and I had the perfect plan that'll catch her off guard. Sally's eyes grew wide as saucers when she realized I'd gotten us the best seats in the house. We had our own private table in the garden, and there were two waiters that just stood there, only serving us. I ordered the most expensive dishes, the rarest of drinks, and after dinner, I told her to follow me. Just outside the garden, there was a huge thing covered in a red cloth. The waiters pulled the cloth off, and there in the middle of the garden was a pristine, pure white G-Wagon trimmed in gold. Sally screamed. Oh. My. God! You got it! You got it for me! Oh, I love you, I love you, I love you! We should get married! I tingled the keys right in front of her, and she grabbed at them like the hungry, desperate little hyena that she was. Oh, 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 wait a sec. Not so fast. I closed my fist and raised my hand up so the key would be out of her reach. The car's not for you. What? For a second, I saw Sally's true colors show. But then she smiled sweetly again. Of... Of course, it's not just for me. It's for us. For both of us. Congratulations on your new promotion. We can finally get out of that old, dusty house of yours. I smiled. You will, at the very least. Sally's face went blank. Uh, huh? What are you talking about? Ever wondered why your boyfriend on the side never calls or texts you while we're together? Sally couldn't speak. She had no idea I knew. I dialed her number using a burner phone I bought months ago. Her phone rang. She saw that it was the guy she was cheating with. She dropped her phone in shock. But, uh, Lance... I met him. I spent a lot of time with him. How did you... I was Lance, Sally. I made him up. I knew you were using me, and I had to find out for myself. The guy you'd been going on dates with is an actor I hired. His real name is Ken, and he's not into girls, so... Sally began to cry. But the car... My dream car! This date! Why would you do this? Car's not for you, sweetie. It's for me and my new girlfriend. And as I said that, the car door opened and out stepped Ruby, looking ten times more beautiful than ever, and sporting a huge diamond ring on her finger. By the way, the stuff you bought for today? I reported it as card fraud. Expect a call from the stores you got those from real soon. Pretty sure they'll want you to pay for all those. And, uh, you're gonna have to find a ride back home. Try the bus. At that, Ruby and I drove into the sunset, leaving Sally there, crying her eyes out. Some kids wish for the latest consoles. Some kids want expensive shoes. I've only ever really wished for one thing. Every night, I climb up to the roof and wait for a shooting star. I make a wish that I could have a family. Hi, I'm Pete, and I'm an orphan. I know my wish is an impossible one, 
because not even a genie could bring my parents back. So I doubt Santa can. Life as an orphan was tough. I lived with my aunt for as long as I can remember. And she only took me in because she was my only family. She doesn't particularly like me. All she ever does is make me do the household chores and serve her boyfriend as if I was the butler. I got made fun of at school. Nobody wanted to hang out and make friends with me. Kids teased me for being an orphan. There was a group of three boys who particularly relished in pushing me around. Hey, look! It's Orphan Boy! What you got for lunch, Orphan Boy? Heh, <laughs> probably nothing. He's got no mom to cook for him. Ha ha ha, nice one, Max. He's so weird. Even his parents couldn't stand being around too long. Ha 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 ha! Those boys would torment me daily. I never felt safe. I never had peace. Most of the time, they just yell insults at me. But sometimes, when they're really bored, they drag me outside and throw balls at me until they got tired. Sometimes, they gather the other kids and they'd make me fight as if we were in a boxing ring. I never want to. But somehow, they can just push the right buttons, and I would eventually throw a punch. As soon as I do... I was in trouble, because even our teachers had it out for me. I had never started a fight, and yet every time a teacher found out what we'd been up to, I'd be the one to take the blame. He's a problem child. Must be because he has no parents. He's always causing trouble. Honestly, orphans should have school just for them. Makes the other children uncomfortable being around kids like that. He'll no doubt become a criminal when he grows up. I decided I was done with trying to reason with my tormentors. I decided to fight back. But I fought back with kindness. When they insulted me, I'd say, Have a nice day. When they dragged me outside to hit me, I would smile at them and say, Thank you. And when they got me into trouble and I had to go into detention... I would tell them that I look forward to seeing them again tomorrow. At first, it made things worse. They kept trying and trying to break me. But as time went on, I broke them. Fight back! Fight back, you stupid orphan! Meh. I'm bored now. He's no fun anymore. <sighs> me too. He's lame. It was during one of those times when the guys tried to get a rise out of me and I refused that I met Holly. Can't you just leave him alone? All you guys do is pick on people who don't fight back. Why don't you try someone who will? Holly faced the guys off, her fists held high and ready to fight. But Max, Dalton, and Fred didn't plan on fighting a girl, because if they did, they'd be in a world of trouble. Holly was always by my side from that point on. She rescued me. She even got in a shouting match with a teacher that was picking on me. That got her suspended. I thought I'd be with her forever. I was certain that I'd propose to her on graduation day. But before we could even celebrate our first anniversary, I had to leave. I was adopted. <sighs> More like bought. 
Some mysterious family offered to take me off of Aunt Cassie's hands, and she agreed. She only told me the day that the guy was going to pick me up. I never got to say goodbye to Holly. My new parents were an older couple. They'd tried for many, many years to have a baby, but they were never blessed. They grew old, and they thought they'd never try again. It was only pure luck that the wife overheard my aunt complaining about having to raise someone else's kid. My new life is nothing like the old one. In that house, I was loved. I felt it. I was loved very much. They gave me everything I could ever need. I was given freedom to spend as much or as little as I wanted. I got my own humongous room. And they gifted me an entire room full of toys. Mom's name is Tara, and Dad's called Andre. We all live in a mansion. I started going to a really fancy boarding school. They got me a really pretty tutor to help me catch up with my grades, too. Unfortunately, the tutor was so distracting with her beauty that my grades barely improved. I got to make new friends who didn't judge me for being adopted. We would have parties and camping trips. It was on one of those trips that my world turned upside down once more. As my boys and I were driving down the boulevard of a popular beach town, I saw her. Her hair as familiar as it was many years ago. Uh, uh, Holly! She looked back. And for a second, she didn't recognize me. And then... She came running towards me, leaping into the air. I caught her and she embraced me tight. Kissed. I... I can't believe it! it, it it's really you! Laughed. <laughs> yeah! And... It's really you! It was a glorious two and a half weeks. I was living an amazing life. And now, the only piece missing, my girlfriend was back. C couldn't have asked for more. But all things come to an end. And, and eventually, I was going to find out the truth anyway. Because as much as Holly would make it seem like we totally just bumped into each other, she actually followed my movement for months. She had someone spy on me so she'd know exactly where I was. Exactly two weeks and three days from reconnecting with her, things began to take a turn. One morning... I woke up to Holly screaming. She, she was on the phone. Help! Help! Please! It's on my bed! Please, hurry! Send as many people as you can! Blinked my eyes open and looked at her curiously. What's happening, babe? Are you okay? Why are you screaming? Holly put the phone down and looked at me with annoyance in her face. You are so dumb. You better go run before the cops catch you here. And only a few minutes later, the door to my apartment burst open. Freeze! Police! Didn't know why, but I froze involuntarily. But as soon as I did, the policewoman's gaze fell on me. Ma'am, get behind me! Are you alright? Are you safe? Help me, officer! Wait, why are you alone? Don't you have backup? Miss? Just behind me, and I'll make sure this guy gets out of your apartment. D your apartment? Cops reached for her handcuffs. S Sir, you would please 
calmly come with me down to the station. But what? Why? I reached for my phone, but the officer thought I was pulling a weapon out, and so she tackled me to the ground. We rolled around for a bit. I was extremely confused why that was happening, but then she won, and I was carted off to the station without knowing what I did wrong. She must have put me out like a light. When I woke up, I was already in a cell, and the cop who took me into custody was looking down on me. There was a light shining down, and she looked like an angel with a halo. Am I in the afterlife? Cop laughed. You're in the Will County's PD's jail cells. So it's a little worse than that. <laughs> she was funny. And as I looked up again, I noticed how beautiful she was. Anyway, as soon as I got there, I realized one thing. Holly had told the authorities that I was a stalker of hers, and that my apartment was hers. She told them I had been following her for days, and that just last night I sneaked into her apartment. I didn't know yet why she did that, but I had my suspicions. I explained my side to Trish, and somehow she heard me out. It'll be really easy to find out who's telling the truth. Just please look up the title deed at the registrar's office. See who really owns that apartment. And Trish did. When she came back, she had no words. She just looked down and let me go. I'm really, really sorry. Let me at least escort you home. I let her. Of course I did. I would have given anything just to spend a bit more time with her. When we got to my apartment, I was less than surprised that there was nothing left there. Holly stripped it bare. It turned out, Holly just wanted me out of there so she could get away with stealing everything in my house. She must have heard somewhere that I was loaded now, and she wanted a piece of it. What a stupid girl, I remember thinking. If she stayed with me... She could have taken me for my money's worth over the years. Instead, she resorted to straight-up simple theft. Well, that was good for me, because at least now I know that I will never let Holly sink her teeth into me ever again. Trish apologized again, but this time, she had an idea. I feel really guilty for locking you up. I can only apologize to you by putting this right. I promise I will hunt her down and I will return everything she took from you. Holly was not at all hard to track down. She was trying to sell my stuff on Facenook Marketplace, with her actual account. So, we burst into the doors of her trailer that she had parked outside a shopping center, and there, strewn across the floor, were all the valuables she stole from me. And luckily, she hadn't yet convinced anyone to buy any of them. Why'd you steal from me, Holly? Holly was mad. Because you left me all alone. Here you are living this fancy life, while for years I didn't know what happened to you. You owe me at least this much money for the suffering I went through. That was when I took out a small camera I was wearing. Gotcha! What? Actually, we had no warrant to search your trailer. But now that you've confessed to stealing all this on camera... Trish here can arrest you now. Trish cuffed Holly. She smiled at me. Now, I've returned everything she stole from you. I smiled back. 
Not all of it. What about my heart? It was a really cheesy line, but it worked. Because while she was cuffing Holly, Trish leaned into me and kissed me. How about now? Holly writhed in disgust. Or envy. Or probably both. Because the very same cop she used to frame me so she could steal from me was now the very same cop who was crushing on me. I used to be the prince of our city. I was popular, rich, and every girl wanted to date me. I wasn't even out of high school yet, and I got proposals left and right. Some families would come knocking at our door, pushing their daughters at me and begging my mom and dad to arrange a marriage between our families. See, dad owned a gold mine and a huge farm the size of three mountains. I was at the top of my class every year, and I was able to charm anyone I talked to. Everyone at school was my friend. I was the teacher's pet. Every man and woman I passed on the street knew me by name. And I was happy. A lot of people considered me a catch. But one day, bad luck struck. Our mine caved in. And suddenly, our farm kept getting stolen from. My dad's businesses collapsed from under us. And one day, we lost him. And the battle for my inheritance began. Aunts and uncles and cousins I've never even heard of came to visit. They talked sweet to me and did everything to get my favor. They basically made themselves my servants, feeding me and cleaning my house and getting me everything I needed before I even knew I needed it, just so they could have a share of what my parents had left. Josh, dearie, don't you think you should give your uncle and I a chance at running the farm? You're so young and inexperienced. Let us take the load off your back. My dad said we're far enough cousins that we can marry. I, I mean... I'm pretty, and wouldn't you rather keep it in the family? Oh, shut up, Mariana. If you want to marry someone, Josh, marry my daughter. She's going to give you lots of heirs. We already know she can since she's just had her second baby. But my dad left me a letter in his will, and in it, he warned me against the vipers that were my relatives. He knew they were greedy and would do anything to get their hands on money. And so... I made it very clear that none of them were going to have anything to do with mom and dad's fortune. That's when the family soured against me. They wanted nothing to do with me. I had just gotten into college when I had to go back home and run the farm. And I had to deal with the caved-in mine. I didn't want the farm to sink further and further into debt. So, I sacrificed everything and went home. I left everything behind and lived at the farm. I had nothing else. I poured all my time, energy, and effort into bringing it back. But every morning, we would wake up only to find half of our harvest gone and stolen. I stayed up that night and watched from atop the mountain. People were holding up lanterns, and I could see their face clearly. It was the very same aunt and uncle who wanted control of the farm. And when I ran down and called out after them, they ran with their minions, disappearing into the night and turning their lanterns off, so we couldn't see where they went. I followed the footsteps in the morning, and they led directly to my aunt and uncle's house. I was ready to call the cops on them when another uncle came between us. Don't you think fighting amongst family is bad? And anyway, it's not your farm, is it? So it's not your fruit they stole. Not my farm? Your dad bought that land with my money. Which he already paid back. I wonder what my lawyers have to say about that. Besides, the farm's in debt. Only I can save it. 
And if I do, it will become mine. He was rich. He was already so rich. His mansion had 30 rooms. But why did he want my farm too? I tried to fight it, but it was useless. My mom was too weak to try and even fight for her own rights. Dad's family never did like her. They always saw my mom as a gold digger, even though she was the one who worked twice as hard as Dad ever did. Mom didn't want his family hating her even more, so she told me to step aside and just do as they wanted. And soon, they took Dad's farm. My own inheritance. Then they claimed my house, too. The only thing they didn't claim was the mine. They thought it was hopeless. When my relatives kicked Mom and I out of our house, we had to live in that cave. We were so poor we would go begging in the city. We would knock at the doors of old friends' houses. But suddenly, they were all closed to us. And those many friends we used to have became strangers. They laughed behind our backs and told lies about my mom. What they all didn't know was that we weren't going to be poor for very long. While I was digging around in Dad's old office there, I found a box. And in it was a letter Dad had written to me years before. In it, he told me that if the time ever came that I needed desperate help... I had to go to a certain bank in town and hand them a key. The key was taped to the back of the letter. Mom and I wasted no time, and the moment I showed the key to the banker, he hurried to the back, and in a second, the bank manager came out to greet me. He led me to the vaults down below, and there, I saw a mountain of gold. I thought to myself how Dad used to make that much gold in the mine, but my daydream was squashed when the bank manager led me to a different room full of metal boxes. He opened one and fished out the only content. A piece of paper. Another letter? I was already disappointed. N no, this is in fact a deed to a house. Your father instructed that if you're ever in trouble, you must make it your residence. I was annoyed. Why couldn't he have just left us some sort of savings? When we got to the house, I was even more annoyed. It was tiny. Tiny enough that the people who knew we were moving there laughed at us and told us that the cave we were living in was bigger. It was the cheapest house in town, and our neighbors made sure to mock us for it. Look at how the mighty have fallen! Yeah, serves him right. Did you know? I asked him to prom once, but he took that nerd Sarah Hyde instead of me. Well, who's laughing now? It had only one bedroom, so I ended up sleeping on the couch. But I guess that was lucky. Because one night, I was having trouble sleeping. And I realized why. The lights were off, but somehow it was still bright. I never realized that light was streaming in from somewhere. So I looked for the source. And then I found something odd behind the bookshelf. There was a small door and there was light coming from the other side. I tapped everywhere. I tried to find a lock, a, a doorknob, a switch, but I couldn't find anything. And then I saw the keyhole, and the door opened to the very same key that was in the back of that letter Dad wrote me. I was scared, but the tunnel was lit by bright lights. I walked about a kilometer, and when I surfaced, I realized I was in the very same vault I visited before. And this time, I was in the room where all that gold was. I see you've finally discovered the secrets of the house. I jumped in surprise. The banker just appeared out of nowhere. I... I... 
Is this... All yours. You may use that tunnel anytime you like. There will always be someone in this vault to help you, should you need it. I was so excited. I ran all the way back and woke my mom up. I showed her the gold and she nearly fainted. We didn't live any differently. We just lived a humble, normal life. I realized the moment people saw again how much we had, they would descend on us like the vultures they were. And so, Mom and I only took what we needed. Until one day, while I was walking my dog and I met someone who changed my life. Her name was Hannah. We were in love from that moment on. Her dog became my dog's boyfriend, and I became hers. Eventually, we got married, and it was only then that she's told me that she was actually the heiress to a huge ranch right beside my dad's old farm. She couldn't bear to see Mom and me living in that tiny home, so she made us move into her farm mansion. It was then that I saw my uncle and aunt digging furiously at my dad's farm. I learned that the rumor of my dad's hidden treasure had been known to my relatives for a long time, and that's why they wanted the farm so bad. They thought my dad had buried it there. I flaunted my new life to them, because with every day that passed, the farm went into more and more debt. And that's when my relatives tried to break up my marriage. They spread rumors, told my wife's family that I was using their daughter, that I was a gold digger like my mom. And it almost worked. Hannah's dad almost made her get a divorce. But to make sure they understood I wasn't in it for Hannah's inheritance, I took them all to the vault. I even took a picture of us. And on that day, I dropped a bunch of those photos at my uncle's house. They will never know where the treasure was hidden. They begged me for help. They begged me to help pay their debt. Well, it seems I'm the only one who can pay for the farm's debt. And if I do, the farm will be mine. That was the first time I spent that much money on myself. I cashed in ten gold bars, and in a week, the farm was back in my name. I evicted my uncles, my aunts, and all the cousins who had stolen my inheritance from me. I installed guards, and if any of them came anywhere close, they would be charged with trespassing. Mom lived at our old farmhouse, and I lived with my new wife at hers. Together, we ran the farms and transformed them into a tourism destination. I no longer worried about anyone stealing my harvest. And the people who looked down on me and laughed at me for living in a tiny house were suddenly quiet. They begged to be my friends again, but I ignored them. I had no room in my life for fair-weather friends. After all, I had everything I needed. My wife, our new son, my mother, and our two dogs. Every year, Hannah's family would visit, and we'd have a huge party. It was something that everyone in town wanted to attend, and they were all invited. Except my relatives, of course. Okay, Cupcake, say ah. Ah. Ugh. Were they actually feeding each other? Seriously? How was I meant to concentrate on the movie with them doing that? Ugh, gross. Annoyed, I stood up, tipped my bucket of popcorn on their heads, then walked off. Don't panic. I'm not a crazy person. They weren't some random couple. Nope. I know them. The girl, Shelly, she's my best friend. For as long as I can remember, it was just me and her. Best friends against the world. But then one day, this guy Leon showed up out of nowhere, and boom, they started dating. Do you know what the worst thing was? This Leon guy was two years younger than me. 
He was so immature. Seriously. Every time I made plans with Shelly, he tagged along too. Suddenly, my phone rang. It was Shelly. I rolled my eyes as I answered, knowing she'd be furious. Peter, how could you? I keep finding popcorn in my hair. It's gross. You're so childish. Yeah, yeah, whatever. She was the one who turned me into a third wheel for our scheduled movie night. I ended the call. I was done talking to her. That's when I saw the news article pop up on my phone. There was a weather warning for a freak magnetic storm. It was advising everyone to stay at home and turn all technological devices off. Well, that was fine by me. It's not like I wanted to stay out anymore anyway. So I went home and went straight to sleep. The next morning, I woke up and, huh? Why was my dad sitting at the end of my bed? I rubbed my eyes and asked him what was up. He seemed lost in thought, but then he put his hand on my shoulder and said, Nothing, son. If you feel like you want to talk, I'm here for you. I understand. Then he left my room. Huh? What was that all about? I went downstairs for breakfast. That's when I heard my granny say, I will prove to you guys that he's not. Then I heard Dad say, Mother, it's no big deal. Even if it's true, he's still our Peter. But when I walked into the kitchen, they all fell silent and gawped at me. I said, Um, hey, you guys, what's the topic? Then my mom replied while passing me a plate of pancakes. Nothing, son. Even my younger sister Lena was acting strange. She gave me this weird smile, then shook her head. Okay, this was odd, but I just shrugged it off and ate my breakfast. Afterward, Mom asked me to help her out in the rock garden. Yeah, sure, I mean, it's not like I had anything better to do. Now, let me tell you, those rocks are way heavier than they look. As I struggled to carry one, I puffed out to Mom, Where do you want this? It's so heavy. Can you call out Dad to help? Shaking her head, she said, No, you can do it. You're not a weak boy. Then she continued to direct me to carry the pile of rocks all over the garden. I carried on until I had jelly arms and couldn't manage it anymore. I told Mom I needed to take a break and began to head inside. She shouted after me, No, you can do it by yourself. You're a big, strong boy. I didn't get it. Why couldn't she see that I was exhausted? That's when I spotted Shelly peering at me over the fence. She smiled and waved me over. Hang on. Wasn't she still in a mood with me? So what had changed? Whatever. I needed to escape mom, so I went over to her. She apologized for yesterday, then asked me if I wanted to go shopping. I agreed. Anything to get me out of lugging more rocks about. As I walked over to Shelly's car, I spotted my neighbor standing outside of his house. I smiled over at him, but he gave me this odd look, then started giggling. I quickly looked down at my pants. Nope, I hadn't forgotten to do my zip-up, so why was he laughing at me? I was thinking about how weird everyone was being as I got into the car. Then I thought out loud, maybe it's the storm? It sent everyone bonkers. Then I told Shelly about all of the crazy things that had been going on. She nodded and said, yeah, it must be down to the storm. Hmm, well, it didn't make sense, because I'd read about magnetic storms and how they could impact people's moods and stuff. At the mall, we went into a shop, and I helped her choose some clothes to try on. I picked up a purple dress and told her it was a lovely color, when suddenly my granny jumped up out of nowhere and said, No, you don't love it. Follow me. I'll get you some new clothes. Then, before I could work out what was going on, she was pulling me out of the shop. I was so confused. 
Granny, why are you here? Did you follow me? She smiled up at me and replied, Peter, darling, don't blame me for wanting the best for you. Huh? This was strange, but okay. I was about to get new clothes, so I didn't think I needed to question more about it. We ended up in this vintage shop, and I felt like I'd stepped into a time loop. All the items were from the 80s or even older. She started grabbing items off the rails and saying things like, Ooh, I like this one. And you'll look very handsome in this. This wasn't my style, but Granny looked so excited, and I didn't want to hurt her feelings. So yeah, I ended up trying the clothes on. I looked ridiculous. Granny seemed delighted. She gasped, clapped, and exclaimed, Oh my, you're such a handsome boy, while Shelly was trying her hardest not to laugh. After that, we all went home, and yep, I was wearing the funny outfit. Everyone was pointing and laughing at me, but Granny seemed oblivious to this. She just smiled and said, All the girls will fall for you now. <laughs> yeah, right. I doubt it. Later on, I was in my room minding my own business when my phone beeped. Hey, I go to the same college as you. I saw you yesterday and I like your style. Do you want to hang out sometime? Lily, X. Huh? Was this someone's idea of a joke? I didn't know this number, nor this Lily girl. What was going on? The magnetic storm had sent everyone loopy, and I seemed the only sane one left. I immediately texted back that I wasn't interested, but geez, this girl was stubborn, and she wouldn't stop messaging me. Over the next few days, Granny's bizarre behavior continued. It was stressing me out. She kept giving odd looks in my direction and muttering stuff to Mom about me. But then one time she actually followed me when I was on my way to the shop and asked me why I wasn't in the outfit she'd bought for me. When I told her it was in the wash, she looked upset, shook her head, and mumbled out something about how I'd never find a nice young lady in my scruffy clothes. I tried messaging Shelly about it, but you guessed it, she was too busy with Leon to talk. So, in my loneliness, I turned to Lily. She was really sweet and said that my granny was probably just having an old people crisis as the same thing happened with her gram, and that we should meet in the park and discuss it. I agreed to meet her, and while I was waiting for her to show up, this guy with movie star looks walked over. At first, I thought he was going to ask me for directions or something, but then he said in a flirty voice, Hey, you're on time. Then before I could say anything, he continued, It's me, Lily. Um, what was going on? This was insane. I asked him, Okay, so what game are you playing at? He looked confused and shook his head and said, well, I just want to hang out with you. Then he came closer to me and leaned on my shoulder. I pushed him away and stepped back. Oh no, I'm not gay. He frowned at me then shouted out, What? You are. Everyone knows that you are. I stood there feeling puzzled when who should show up but my sister Lena. I asked her, What the hell are you doing here? With a Cheshire cat grin on her face, she said, Just testing out if you're gay or not. And I have the answer. You're not. Now I'll have to tell Mom and Granny. Then she pulled out her phone. I grabbed her hand and said, Hold on. What? Gay? Who said that? What's going on? I'm talking about the rumor. A couple of days ago, the neighbor told Mom that you're gay. Dad was cool about it, but Mom and Granny didn't take it well. Anyway, I told them I'd find out for sure. 
At first, I thought you were, because you weren't interested in Lily, but now... She looked at the guy. My friend Robbie confirmed you're not. Okay, this was crazy. But where did this rumor come from? I asked my sister, and she replied, Oh, they heard it from Leon. Leon? Hmm. This was suspicious. So I went over to Shelley's for answers. As soon as she opened the door, I rose my eyebrow and asked her, So, Shelley, everyone thinks I'm gay, and apparently it's down to something Leon said. Would you happen to know anything about this? She blushed. Peter, I'm sorry. Leon was so jealous of you that I ended up telling him you were gay, just so he'd be cool with us hanging out. I gritted my teeth in anger, then yelled, I can't believe you ruined our friendship over that guy. So you'd rather spread wrong rumors about me than put some actual sense into your ridiculous boyfriend's head? You're so selfish. Well then, go live happily ever after with him as you wish. I'll stay out of your way. Then I hurried off. Later, she tried to call me, but I just turned off my phone. The next morning, I woke up and checked my social media to see a notification from Shelly pop right up. She had written a long post to tell everyone the truth and to apologize to me. Perplexed, I came downstairs to grab breakfast while considering if I should forgive her. Then I saw sitting in the living room was Shelly. Mom said she'd come over since early morning to apologize to me and my family. Come, dear. She knows what she did wrong, Mom whispered to me before leaving us two alone. Shelly came right up to me. Peter, I'm really sorry for being a jerk. You're my best friend, and Leon will just have to like it or lump it. I can get another boyfriend, but I never want to lose a friend like you. She spread out her arms. I hesitated. Then we eventually hugged it out. So, Shelly and I are best friends again. My family, well, they're back to normal levels of craziness. Yeah, it wasn't cool of Shelly to start a rumor about me, but so what if it turned out I was gay? I told Granny and Mom this. I guess they're both just old-fashioned and need to get with the times a bit more, and realize that it doesn't matter if I like girls or boys, as either way, I'm still me. They're same old Peter. At the end of the day, yep, I'm that guy who thought that the magnetic storm turned everyone crazy. One thing's for sure, Shelly will never let me forget this. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.